Dr. Catherine Fiennes is a practicing GP of some 40 years here in Melbourne. I first met her on my other show, The People's Project, where we interviewed her, uh, it's only a couple of days ago now, and it's interesting, she was one of the most popular guests we've ever had on. And I think it's because she was able to say some pretty common sense things about masks and COVID-19 and the lockdowns and health in general. But I wanted to have her on today for a different reason. I actually think that the reason we've all found her to be quite rational and, and a breath of fresh air is because I think she has a lot of empathy. And this is episode two of our empathy series where we're trying to explore what empathy is, uh, how we can have more of it. And something that I'm wondering is whether empathy is not so much a fluffy, soft subject, but in fact, it's more of a weapon that we can deploy to be great leaders, great citizens, great people uh, in this world. So it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Catherine to the show. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Thanks for coming in, Catherine. My pleasure. Do you, yeah. Did you realize that you were, I think now, the most popular guest we've ever had on that show? No. That's news, like, right now. <laughs> no, I didn't even look at it, to be quite honest. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, I thought you were great, but I was surprised because we post the interview separately. Yes. Uh, so you're in the show, but then we post your full interview after, and okay. I think almost 100,000 people have watched that now. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's a complete surprise to me. Yeah. Which, you know, I think you're amazing in terms of your medical knowledge, but it's not like we had the world's greatest epidemiologist no. on, right? <laughs> no, so, I'm definitely not making that claim. No. Nor virologist, nor... Um, expert in any of those fields, not, not at all. Yeah, so I was wondering why mm. they really resonated with you. And, and a lot of people have been saying, thank goodness someone is speaking common sense. Mm. Uh, and I assume that's really, mm. have you heard those kind of uh, adjectives used to describe you before? Um, no, I've heard many adjectives. <laughs> I don't know if common sense is one, but I actually love good old fashioned common sense. Mm. And a lot of what I'm observing with what's going on mm. is not even my medical brain. Mm. It is somewhat, but it's actually my common sense brain. Mm. It's like, wow, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. Mm. So just running it by our common sense, which we which we all have. I think it's a great undervalued um, quality mm. that well, we overlook. Some yeah. more than others, would you say? Or do you think we're all potentially got a lot of common sense? I think we all have a lot of common sense mm. and we all have a lot of intuition. Mm. But I think that's eclipsed quite easily by um, uh, the narrative that is, um, let's say, imposed upon us mm. fairly strongly. Uh, because I think by nature, and the, all of us, we're very gullible. We're very innocently gullible, actually. So everyone you're saying? Or by yeah, I think it's our human nature. We're oh. innocently gullible and therefore we're very oh. impressionable and um, programmable and um, yeah. thus controllable. It's not a criticism. Yes. And obviously it's to different degrees and different people, mm. but that's the nature. So if we're getting messages relentlessly telling us one thing, we are very easily and quickly programmed by <laughs> that, good and bad. And we've seen that. In, in a few short months, we've completely changed, you know, our language, you know, social distancing, do the right thing. Mars, um, we've completely changed our lives in such a short time and right. people are getting used to it, which, which actually alarms me, right. I might add. So the evidence is there. We, we're seeing how we're changing. People are just adopting these completely new things in okay. a relatively short time. So if I was to yeah. play devil's advocate for mm -hmm. the side that says these sure. lockdowns are absolutely necessary and these changes, societal changes are very, very you know, the virus is super, super, super deadly. Uh, 
even if that is the case, your concern, what you're telling me is actually, for whatever reason we've done these things, the, the fact is we are changing our society, the way we interact, we're changing our, something much deeper. It's not even just how we interact, there's something about the milieu, the, the culture, the, who we are as a collective organism on this planet is changed yeah. forever, potentially. Yes, and uh, I live in hope that that eventually will be positive. And um, I was saying before, Matt, that, you know, crises, and this is a massive one, mm. individually and uh, globally and collectively, and crises serve a function, and that is to um, dismantle old systems, old ways of thinking, old attitudes, old institutions that do not serve us well. Now, it doesn't mean we have to have a crisis to make change, mm. but when we're hanging on to old ways and they're not serving us well, um, I, I think a crisis is a kind of a sharp way to say we need to take a different direction. I think that's what we're going through. And some might say um, we're going through a massive dark night of the soul, which is more yeah. of a metaphysical term, but I, I think we are. So I'm, yeah. so I'm a little bit confused because mm -hmm. on, on the other show when we interviewed yeah. you, I guess we were talking about some of these changes being a bad thing in the way that it's the, the idea of masks have become normalised and, and all this kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, now you're saying it's potentially a good change. I mean, let's talk about the change. It what is a potentially a good change. And how to explain it? I think there's different levels of reality. We've got the 3D here in that reality. Mm. So there's a lot that's going on that I don't like that I did express and I will stand by that most definitely. But I like to think that difficult though it is, and even though I do not agree with a lot of the, the sanctions, there's still potential for mm. a, a positive change at the end of it. Um, mm. Maybe I'm naive and I'm living in hope and maybe that's just something I'm telling myself, well, this is difficult, there's a lot I don't like. Mm but potentially good things will come out of it. Now, that's not because of the sanctions. Right. That's despite the sanctions, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. And, and I'm talking about change really broadly, a dramatic change. Yeah. Well, um, there's potential for good things to come out of it. Like there's, what? there's potential for bad things to come out of it too. Okay. Well, what are yeah. these changes? What, what, what do you, can we put specifics onto that? What changes might we see or would you hope to see? What I would hope to see and... Um, I, this is my individual thing as well, uh, very specifically, is that we stop giving our power away hmm. to institutions that may not be serving us well. Now, there are some that are serving us very well and keep them, that, that's fine. But to stop acquiescing to systems and institutions and people that don't necessarily have our best interests at heart. And uh, I guess you could call that personal sovereignty. Mm. It's coming home to ourselves mm. rather than being in abeyance to a system. Because we've been so in it, mm. we don't see it. It's like a fish swimming in water. Mm. It doesn't notice the water. Mm. So when we're immersed in it, we're not aware of it, particularly when we're, we're born into it. So that's part of the function of a crisis is it's like, whoa, suddenly we're seeing what we didn't see before, mm. good and bad. So uh, I don't know if I've answered your question. No, no, that makes sense. So more, yeah. I guess we're seeing it more so in Victoria because we're undergoing this intense. Very intense. It, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we are. Okay, so if we're, because we're talking more than Victoria, more than the lockdowns, aren't we? Because you just mentioned even we're if you're born into whole, it. We're, we're talking about the whole world. I um, spent the first three months of this year in South America, yes. in, in Ecuador. And when I came back to Melbourne, I had the two weeks quarantine. And yes. Brisbane, and that's that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> and then back to Melbourne, and, and like, literally, I could feel it in the air. I thought, whoa, what if I come back? I could feel, I could actually feel it. 
and um, and I thought, oh, I just want to run back to South America. I just really? want to go back to South America. But wow. they have been, I've been reading about um, what's going on there and they're having their, their issues as well. Yes. Not as intense as here, yes. not at all. Yes. But, but it seems to be fairly global from what I can tell. But I think particularly Victoria is, um, as you say, very, very intense. And yeah. uh, maybe the rest of the world, they kind of know, but they don't really know the degree of what we're experiencing here. No, I find that people just don't understand. No. That they're, they're, you know, people post pictures of just going down to the beach yes. or something. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say to them, I have a great sense of shock when I see that photo you po- sent to me on WhatsApp. Yes. Not because I want to go to, I'm not a beach person, but yes. just this cognitive, just this, my mind says, you're allowed to go yes. out. Mm-hmm. And this is what scares me the most. This is what scares me the most. My too. mind is, is becoming, what do you call it when you're in prison for so long mm-hmm. that that becomes the reality and you, you become institutionalized. Yes, exactly. And then trying to get the, pri- when the yep. prisoner gets released from prison. Yes. They're still in prison in their minds. They can't function in the world yeah. properly. Yeah, and it concerns me. And we probably have been in prison for a very long time. We're just, it's very, very obvious and much more ramped up and intense. Well, I, I call it um, Stockholm Syndrome. And my concern is, as I said, we've, we've pretty quickly adopted this mm. as the new normal. And you can see that with people walking down the streets with, with masks. Mm. It's like there's... I don't know what's in their minds, of course I don't, but there's almost an unquestioning, this is how it is. Mm. We're just going to do that. Of course, not everyone's thinking like that, but but the general vibe is we're just doing this in abeyance. And my concern is that when we have our liberties taken away systematically, Mm. and I call that the frog in the ball and water Mm. syndrome, in that they're taken away, we don't notice them, don't notice them, don't notice them. Mm. Like, we... You know, the frog's put in cold water, the heat's turned up, doesn't notice until it's too late, until mm. it's boiling. And um, that's what I'm perceiving mm. and seeing. So if we get a few liberties, and I wouldn't even call them liberties, but a few crumbs thrown back at us, then we are um, almost the dooring of the hand that throws them back at us. So I, that's Stockholm Syndrome. Seems to be so the case. A recent news poll... Case. 62, 63% support, Dan, either very good handling of the lockdown or good handling of the lockdown. Interesting. So above 60. Now, now that's a news poll, only a sample size of 2,000. Yes. But there's a general fear that most of the community is not just being obedient, but they're actually applauding what's yes. going on in this state. Yeah. Why do you think that? This is what I can't figure out. Yeah. And I ask every guest, oh, why? Same, same. Oh, so you can't, you, do you have any ideas why people are so... The, the way I see it is that we've been trained for a long time to have someone as a, a leader, you know, the, um, someone who will look after us mm. or, or group of people or institutions. So we rely on the them mm. to look after us, okay? And particularly when we're going through a crisis and we have our survival mechanisms very much triggered, that puts us in quite a different brain state, we are looking for the saviour to uh, keep us safe, okay? So the mind doesn't want to question anything apart from that because it's if the saviour's not keeping us safe, mm. we're in real trouble. And it's a subconscious thing, of course. People aren't doing it consciously, and probably most people aren't, but I think some people are. So, and we, we've seen that repeated throughout history, that there's this almost adoration that this, this group or this person will keep us safe mm. and which they can't, it's actually an illusion, but it's one that people have abided by. So I, I think that's part of it. And it, it's subconscious, but it's also um, 
well, it's, it's quite infantile because it's like the parent-like yeah. group organisation yeah. person. They're keeping me safe. I don't need to question anything else. Everything will be fine. There's a lot of innocence about that because right. I think most people are genuinely good, trusting people. Yes. And they expect the government will be genuine, good and trusting. And they might overdo it, but at the end of the day, they're going to look after it. So I think there's that... That's that, exactly what they sound like, yes. what you just said, yeah. I think that trusting, there's yeah. that trust. Yeah. And I do. I think well, maybe I'm perceiving this very differently to most people and, and why. Because, you know, when you see helicopters going along beaches, you're hearing sirens yes. all the time. Yeah. We can leave the house for, what, one or two hours a day? We're up to two now, yeah. Two? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we really can't visit family and friends unless mm. they're in a... Well, we can't anyway, if they're not in our household. Mm. And we are limited to five kilometres mm. from home. Um, for a virus that virtually doesn't affect people, well people, under the age of 65, compare it to flu last year, compare it to cancer, heart disease. So I'm thinking it, it, is that maybe a little overreaction to, <laughs> to what's going on. Mm. Uh, I think it's a massive overreaction. But it's interesting that you say it's not necessarily the government steamrolling us. We're welcoming it. As we go into the limbic part of our brain, shut down the frontal cortex, uh, and then have that fight or flight or freeze response. And I guess we're seeing safety in a paternalistic government. Uh, and you've probably just had the best explanation I've heard mm. so far of why we're doing this. Mm. What do we do about it? Is there a way out? Well, it, it starts with us. Because the the other major thing we're dealing with is fear, okay, and it's all in it's different guises. So our basic primal fears are fear of the unknown, right. fear of change, fear of chaos, and basically fear of annihilation. So we've got all of them rolled into one. Yeah, all four of those. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So it, that's deeply uncomfortable. Mm. I'm not underestimating the effects of that on on people. Um, so that survival reaction is designed for a short term. Mm. You know, when we go into that survival mode, um, our brain defaults to the limbic part of the brain and it's like safety now, whatever it takes. And that's fine. We need that. We absolutely needed that for, for, our, you know, for, for life. But when it's maintained at that level for, for long and by relentless messages, mm. relentless you know, oh, yeah. we get messages everywhere. Yes. Um, you know, the, the distancy, the mask is a big yeah. symbol. Um, the mainstream news, which I don't watch, yeah. so I can't talk about that, but I've, I've caught a tail end of it. I, I understand why people are alarmed. So a lot of people, I think, are maintained in that survival mode mm. beyond that very short-term thing. So it's what will keep me safe. What will keep me safe? Um, and it's the, the limbic part of the brain... Um, takes things very literally, mm. very black and white, mm. okay? Safety, not safety. And it, it's to the point where, with some people, not everyone, of course, if someone's wearing a mask or not, that person's threatening my survival immediately. Certainly, that or they're not. Yeah, that's now, it's, I don't think it's conscious, but yeah. when people react like that, it's like um, they are threatening, literally threatening my life and the life of my loved ones right. or you know, the community if they don't wear a mask. And I, I know that's not the fact. So so 
get in, so I think we each individually have to deal with fear. Yes. And I'm certainly dealing with fear. Yes. You know, and it's, it's a notch up, okay, face that another day. Face yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really rich process in some ways, mm. but it, it can be unnerving because it's like, I personally, I've got to face what I haven't faced my whole life because mm. I've been quite a fearful person. I really have. And it's like, okay, you have to face this fear, face this fear. So I think we need to do that individually and globally. And it's really a matter of, this is such a cliche, people taking their power back. How that's done, one person at a time, I really think. Well, this is very difficult yeah. to do in this environment because we've... It is very difficult to do in this environment. Yeah, not only is it illegal, yeah. but I had uh, Gideon Rosner from the IPA here yesterday yeah. and he called Dan's daily press conferences a... Uh, Purple backdrop sermon. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, I actually saw that. <laughs> uh, and he's so true because yeah. the Premier has... Um, I understand initially, look, this is serious, everyone. We need to... I get it. Sure. And, and everyone says, okay, Absol okay, okay, all good. Absolutely. Now, that was the first yeah. week, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. You know, this is well, going, we didn't going know what for was months. Going on. Fair, fair enough, yeah. But we're many months into I know this that. now. And so his messaging hasn't changed, which is interesting because no. we're seeing the beach yesterday. Everyone mm. was flocking to the beaches, yeah. no much. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you, you, you hit that limbic part of the brain and that fear trigger over and over and over for months? Mm. What happens to people? I assume some will start to, to civil disobedience like we saw at the beach, mm. and, but others must be crushed by it. And they must, mm. yeah, what happens to our brains? What's going to happen if, if he maintains this messaging and tries to keep us well, in fear? Well, firstly, I think we're, we're very resilient, basically, and we, we can recover. I, I just have to have hope that we, we can. And that's proven throughout history, you know, our, our resilience. I've completely lost my train of thought. So well, I'll well, get no, you to no. repose that question. Yeah, no, I'm wondering yeah. what happens yeah. if you go into that fight or flight state for two, if you stay in your limbic part of your brain yeah. for too long. Because mm. I remember seeing animal studies where if you keep them in a state of fear mm. for long enough, they mm. can go crazy. Yes. You can break yeah. people's minds. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a. Um, there was an experiment done on dogs. Yeah. Um, I think it was Hans Sales, dogs. No, it was someone who rang the bell and the dog salivated. Oh, Pavlov. Pavlov, sorry. Pavlov's Pavlov. dogs. Yes. But there's another story about Pavlov's dogs mm. in that um, the dogs were kept in a basement in mm. cages and mm. there was a massive flood. So these dogs were standing in icy water for quite a long period of time. No one could actually reach them. Right. And they were completely traumatised and terrorised by standing in the icy water in, in their cages. Right. And when they were finally released, they, didn't, they actually didn't recover. Now, we have, you know, we have an intellect, so we yes. can process things, whereas uh, I assume animals cannot. Yes. So we do have those tools. But um, that's an interesting experiment, is that yeah. they were so traumatised they didn't actually recover. Well, that means from, yeah. we're going to need some very serious yeah. and intense... Yeah help, or not just the people who are saying, I've got a mental health problem, I need to call yep. Beyond Blue. I'm talking about everyone. Yes. Like you, you've got fears, I've got issues. Sure. Maybe that starts at the top. We yep. need our political leaders and, and business, everyone to start giving us, building us back up. Yes. My biggest concern is that people will get apathetic. Apathetic, okay. okay. Yep. So apathy is quite low on the emotional scale. It's a lot lower. There's a lot less energy in apathy than in fear. At least right. with fear, there's some energy. Right. Certainly there's more with anger. But with apathy, there's not much. Right. And that's when people essentially throw in the towel, okay? And it's a very uh, powerless state, and that's when they're particularly controllable. And right. that concerns me is that people will just say, I give up. 
we'll just go along with it. Ah, oh, we'll do whatever we'll, we'll, we'll the just government do it. wants. Yeah. Oh. So um, it concerns me if people get into that apathetic state. I think we're better with a bit of fear. Yeah. And not that we should stay there, definitely sure, not. Sure. But it's active. It's active. And yeah. anger's more active and not that we should stay sure, there either. Sure. But apathy is a concern because uh, I think people... It's certainly from my knowledge of mind body. Yes. Apathy is not a good state physically either. It makes people very susceptible right. to, to illnesses, but also there, there's no energy, there's no power. It's it's behind it. Well, so that's when people are controlled, and I think we've probably seen that in prisoners of war and right. that those sort of scenarios. It's a it's a yeah. perverse reality, isn't it? That we've got job keeper and job seeker, which is great to support everyone during the season. I get that, um, but also that's going to create that apathy well yes so the the job seeker job keeper um i'm all for people having their basic needs yep. um, met most definitely for sure however people get used to having mm. these handouts and get quite comfortable in their prisons in their homes with netflix yeah with netflix and uber eats and mm. whatever you know it, it, I'm not talking about the majority, I'm just mm-hmm. talking about some. And it's not to blame people, it's just... Oh, we've all gone through it. I've gone through it for a yeah, couple yeah. of weeks. I'm just sitting Precisely. there eating, watching the Precisely. Precisely, yeah. and, and, and I have too. Yeah. So it's just, you know, our human nature. Mm. But I think it can make people apathetic and not questioning mm. because the leader is providing for them. Mm. The parent-like leader is mm. providing. They do not want to bite the hand that feeds them. Mm. So it, it's um, keeping people at a kind of compromised peace. Mm. I, I don't think it's a good state. You know, when you talked yeah. about what can we do, uh, what can we actually do to get out of this, I find it very interesting that I was thinking there would be mass protests back on the September 12th, whatever, when we finally had our opportunity to protest. Of course, we didn't have those protests, but we had the big ones for BLM. But then I'm thinking, why are they protesting? Interestingly, yes. (laughs) But why are we having big protests in Queensland, Sydney, and and all these, and in in Canada at the Australian Embassy, they're protesting for us. And I I was wondering why Australians love a paternalistic government, because I have, there's a guy called... um, uh, Nathan Finocchio, he's a guy in the US. He yep. married a, an Australian. Yes. And that he's very fiercely libertarian, as you would yep. expect from most Americans. Mm-hmm. And she's very much likes the nanny state. And they literally have conversations in their marriage where mm-hmm. Nathan will say, mm-hmm. What's wrong with you, woman? Don't, mm-hmm. You, don't want, to, you mm-hmm. don't want the Trump to control our lives or whatever it is. And she'll say, No, I quite like it. Like, I, I like a government to look after me. Yeah. She self confesses she loves the nanny state, which I think is a lot of. Australians, particularly mm-hmm. Victorians, Absolutely. I think we like it. Some. <laughs> Some. Right, <laughs> most, right. Most like it. 62%. Uh, yeah, yes. So, I, I agree. And it Maybe it's, it's because um, we, we've had it pretty easy here. In, in Australia? Well, yes. I mean, obviously, um, there are groups have, that have not had it easy here. Yes. Not yes. at all. The Indigenous population, yeah. I mean, you know, absolute violations mm. of human rights. We all know that. Uh but for the majority of us, we've had it pretty easy. Mm. We, we haven't really been very involved with wars or mm. n- not a lot of natural disasters. So we haven't honed that resilience. And our government's yeah. been generally good. Like, we haven't had dictators sure. and exactly. for 100 years. Exactly. Yeah. I think most of us have actually felt quite safe. Yeah. I certainly did. Mm. I would never have expected what is going on now, mm. say, a year ago. Mm. Just wouldn't have expected it mm. at all. So I think there's a shock element there. Right. And I think people want to trust yes. decent, 
you know, citizens want to trust that the government will be looking after yes. them. That That's a natural thing. So there's mm. that shock element that, no, it can't, it can't be. Mm. It can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. So, you know, there's a, a level of cogn cognitive dissonance, of course, regarding yeah. that. It's, I don't want to know that. Sorry, that's not happening. I'll go back to how it was. We'll mm. be looked after. Everything will be fine. Well, at the end. How, but, yeah, sorry. this is a big growing up process for us. A really. growing up process? Yes. That's good. Painful, and growing pains. Puberty, teenage is terrible. But when... Good, good and painful. Yeah. Yeah. And how it's exciting. interesting because, you know, throughout the human history, um, you know, we've endured much, mm. much. Mm. And it gives us the opportunity to forge a better way and bring mm. to the four qualities like courage, mm. wisdom, empathy, mm. Uh, compassion, fortitude, mm. but with this, we're not. I'm not seeing that. Well, I am with some individuals, of course, and some groups, most definitely. But with the general populace, mm. we're becoming acquiescent, obedient, um, risk averse, uh, fear-based, constricted, mm. limited, and I don't think that's a good state for our evolution at all. It's, it's actually a very stagnant state, mm. compounded by our love styles being very limited. Mm staying indoors, you know, the masks and all that. So it, it concerns me that that kind of, yeah, we'll get through this, we'll be resilient and um, we'll learn a new way. Uh, I'm not seeing, I'm seeing some evidence, of course, but I'm not seeing a lot of evidence in our communities. Well, I yeah, would have yeah. agreed with you until yeah. I saw these beach goers. Okay, so, <laughs> so does, does that give you hope? Because, yes. I mean, they were all legally, supposed, yeah. I don't know, but it looked like they were in there two hours, they were locals, and there was some, whatever. Yeah. But, but they, they did come out and, and take their power back, as you say, yes. but they didn't do it through a protest. They did it through, exactly. I'm just going on my exercise to the Absolutely. beach, normal, everyday life. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think when the sun comes out, yeah. we forget. We forget that yeah. we're not as we were and we're going out and we're enjoying being with people and yeah. and the sun and the surf. And the beach is such a healthy environment, by the way. Mm. So, um, you know, I think people naturally gravitate to doing that because that's our basic nature to do it. So I think a lot of it is forgetting the rules. It's not a, a, it's not a defiant thing. Right. It's a, I'm remembering what it's like to have to live a normal life, mm. you know. So I think that's a big part of it because when the sun's out, mm. I feel differently. Mm. And, you know, I'm walking and so, yeah, I think we do have to remember. Well, this is yeah. this is really encouraging to me because it happened to me the other day. Let's talk about masks, right? Yeah, so the okay. other day I, um, I went to my local shops yeah. and I can't remember if I couldn't wear a mask that day or I forgot it, but I remember yeah. walking around feeling for the first not thinking, just feeling normal. No mask, right? Just normal. Exactly. Hi, everyone. Everyone's wearing masks. Oh, why is everyone wearing masks? Yeah. Was I, I didn't get my mask. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be in that fearful, compliant state. Yes. And I forgot to do it for a moment. Yes. And I was feeling so good. Yes. Like I was smiling at people. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and I think what you're saying is right. We do yes. forget. And it made me think I, I was coming out of prison for the first time. Yes. So let's talk about masks. Yes, what, what's uh, going on? Yep. Yeah, I'll just say I had yeah. the same experience. I forgot my mask. Yeah. I was walking. I literally forgot my mask mm. and just felt like a normal person, mm. walking and breathing the air as mm. we're designed to breathe. Mm. Um, and because it felt normal to me, mm. I didn't get any backlash from people around me when I forgot my mask. Because uh, of the so way, it's a similar experience. Because well, of the way you were carrying yourself. 
yes, because you know I'm affirming that it's it's my right as an organic human being to yeah. breathe air, yeah. not not through material. Yes, I personally don't believe they're protecting anyone else. If I did, I would wear it. If I honestly thought they're protecting other people, I would abide by it. What can, but, just as an aside, can yes. you explain why? Because a lot of scientists and medical professionals and epidemiologists are coming out saying this, that the particle sizes are too small or whatever. But what is your view on they're not protecting us at all, even in closed settings? Well, look, it, it, say as a doctor, if I was to recommend something, uh, be it a uh, medication or her medical procedure, whatever, I would look at the pros and the cons, mm. okay? The benefits versus the adverse risks. And we mm. want the benefits to outweigh any adverse side effects. Mm. And we want it to be cost effective. So that's that's something doctors do all the time with, with anything. Benefit, adverse, which, which is best, is a mm. cost effective. Overall, is this going to be better for, for the person? Now, we haven't been given that with masks. We haven't been, you know, they haven't been, as far as I can tell, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't watch a lot of... I'm not about to correct you, Doctor. <laughs> ...mainstream news. If it was, look, we, we've got all the experts together. We've yes. got the uh, virologists, the epidemiologists, yes. the um, business group, yes. the sociologists, the psychologists. And, and we've really looked at this. And on balance, we thought, yes. OK, we'll go that way. He did. OK, so Dan did say that, okay. that he, but, but only to his very, very small group of doctors and experts. And when people questioned him in the last two, three days, why do regional Vic need to wear a mask if there's no one for the nearest square kilometre and they're on exercise by themselves on a country road. And Dan has literally said, well, to be fair, they're not the chief health officer, those epidemiologists you're quoting. Yep. So so he is claiming he's got consensus. Okay. But, but okay. it's only with his tight grip. And anyone who comes to the contrary, mm. he's saying, no, doesn't yep. count. Mm. So he's not, he's mm. not taking the advice. Yes. So as far as I know, masks were never designed to stop viral spread. They were no. they were designed to stop the surgeon dribbling into the open wound. Which is more and of a bacterial thing than a viral thing? Yeah, is that well, whatever, in, in, in microbe. But, okay. but we're talking about an open, open wound here. Right. And also not to get the, the backsplash right. from the wound. So that's, that's a big role of masks. And even that, I, I can't quote any papers on that, so I shouldn't go there. But right. there, there's some debate about that too. Right. Um, I'm all for if someone obviously sneezing and coughing and all that yes. and they can't be at home, they should be at home until yes. they recover. Yes. Totally agree with that. Well, I was so to tell I was sick before yeah. this interview yeah. uh, three, four days ago and I said, hey, just give me a couple of days exactly. to, to recover and I'm fine. That's normal behaviour, right? Yes, it is, but it was actually never normal behaviour in our society because our society said, no, get back to work straight away. Take even, this even if you're sick? Yeah, oh. but, but it's common sense to say yeah. uh, recover mm. and even convalesce for some people. But that word has been... What does convalesce mean? It, it's a recovery period. Oh. It, the convalescence is... It's more when people have a chronic illness. It right. probably is more in the context of tuberculosis. Right. Uh, where people would have a period of healing. Right. And that's at every level, mind, yes. body and spirit. So they would have a time away from the demands of life yes. and they would have time to heal. So we didn't, in our modern society, that, that wasn't a well-recognised mm. thing. Mm. So the emphasis was often, okay, have a day off and go back to work. But it should be, if people have the flu, they should have a week off mm. work. work. Mm. But I, I'm sidetracking. Um, That's good for this show. Sidetracks <laughs> are good. Yes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm all for common sense measures. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but I, masks don't. 
I, you know, I'm all, for, I'm all for hygiene, washing hands. I'm an avid hand washer. I like yeah. to keep my clinical area very clean. Yes. So I'm not throwing that out. Yeah. But there's a line where it goes from the common sense to the ridiculous, right. quite frankly. Which is where we are, I think, on yeah, Yes, yes. So, yes, if someone... Sure, as you said, they should be at home until they're recovered. Absolutely. Um, if they're in a situation where they can't, yeah, mask in that situation mm. is fine. And mm. In certain clinical settings, of course, masks are appropriate. Mm. But everyone, the, the, the healthy, I actually am concerned that they cause a lot more harm than good. Medically and, or psychologically? Both. Well, I mean, I know that's the same thing. Both. Okay. Right, let's both. cover both. both. Medically, what harms are you talking about? Well, okay, firstly, we're designed by nature to breathe air. Now, I'm stating the obvious, but with all these sanctions... A lot of them are anti-nature, okay? Mm. And as far as I'm oh, concerned... so true. Yeah, anti-nature is anti-life, in my opinion. No sun, no outdoors. Exactly. No, yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Staying in front of a computer screen all day, etc., etc. Yeah. Not socialising, not singing, not dancing, not going to the movies, uh, not walking in nature for more than an hour or two yeah. within five kilometres. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all of those things. Yeah. So, um, so anti-nature is... Anti-life. So we're, we're designed to, believe, to breathe fresh mm. air, not through material all day. Mm. If it's mm. for an hour or two in a clinical setting, mm -hmm. in theatre, sure, mm. you know, people can do that. But mm. we're talking about several hours for some people. Like a, coal, a Woolworths worker for eight hours on shift. Yes, and the scary. gel between every client. Oh, yeah. imagine you have... Yeah, okay. well, well, imagine the chemicals, but that's a sure. whole other discussion. Yeah. So... We can't just change our innate nature yeah. and suddenly say this is now normal and healthy that we are breathing yes. through material and cloth. Yes. Um, I have no doubt that oxygen levels would be going down and carbon dioxide levels, which we're meant to be expelling, would be going up. Now, that, can I sorry to interrupt? That makes sense. However, I have—I don't know the answer yet, but I've seen nurses put a what do you call those oxy monitor things? They put on your finger. Oxy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ox oximeter. Oximeter. Yep. And then it puts on a mask and it doesn't go down. But that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's just a silly little YouTube video. <laughs> Surely it would. Yeah. Like, if I cover my mouth now, my yes. oxygen levels are going to go down over yes. a couple of minutes, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, measure that after an hour or two or three or four. Oh, okay. Two. Takes um, it concerns me very elderly people wearing masks because their cardiopulmonary um, systems, even if they're relatively healthy, are probably compromised anyway. And you see them struggling down the street with their yeah, masks. And yeah. it's like, why is the doctor not giving them an exemption? Um, that concerns me. So also it's our main detoxifier, or one of our main detoxifiers, is actually breathing out right. through, through, through the mouth. So we're in a continual process of detoxifying. And mm. We do it through our skin and through our mm. lungs. Mm. So we're meant to be expelling that, you know, what can be fairly toxic stuff into the air to be dissipated. The other thing is that the whole oropharynx and our nasal areas, mm. very, very rich with many microbes, okay, right. bacteria, viruses, right. whatever. And that's not usually a problem, mm. but if we're concealing that area and we're increasing the humidity, mm. you know, it's, it's a breeding ground, potentially. Well, have you seen yeah. this, the people are getting staff around yes, the mouth? exactly. And the masking of children, um, I know people are trying to keep children safe. I do understand that. But it's very questionable, you know, masking kids in school. I don't know if that's happening here or not, but I think it's certainly been proposed or happening in some countries. When we know that this um, particular virus barely affects children, 
Well, it doesn't at all, right? Are they as the far as I can tell. Statistically, yeah. Yeah, which is very unusual for a coronavirus, I might add. Is it? U usually kids are very affected by colds and oh, things really? going around. Oh, yeah, particularly. They might have milder infections in adults. Yeah. But it's interesting that that whole age group is, has been fairly... It's great. I'm glad yeah, that they're safe, absolutely. Any ideas why? No. Well, it's a novel virus, was very very novel, I would say. Are there other viruses that have exhibit the same behaviour, where they don't touch children but they touch adults? Uh, I, I'm sure there are. Yeah. But right from the get-go, to my, gee, I'm not a virologist and I would love to hear from, sure. you know, people who are expert in that field. Um, so I can't make that claim. But right from the get-go, mm. my, my sense was, my gestalt, was there's something very unusual about this. Masking it's, children? No, about the virus. Oh, about the virus. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but it just isn't making sense from what I have experienced for 40 mm. years. But th that's maybe a discussion we shouldn't go into. No, but I, I will yeah. add that there's a very eminent uh, uh, um, d infectious disease expert and uh, evolutionary biologist called uh, Weinstein, Brett Weinstein in the okay. US. Mm -hmm. And very, very measured man. Mm. And all everything that he's seen points to the uh, supposed conspiracy theory that was a, a virus engineered in a lab. Mm. He's saying all conspiracy theories aside, the virus. This is an infectious disease expert. Yeah. Um, the virus does exhibit um, trademarks of being altered somewhere somehow. It okay. does not look like a typically evolved virus. No, a chimera. A chimera. I, um, I don't know what that yeah. means. Oh, it's it's. Aggregates yeah, 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 yeah. There are markers in it that he says this is probably not completely natural. Yes. Um, so anyway, that that just thought you'd like to hear about that. Yes, yes. I've, well. I've read different bits mm. that, that are interesting, and will we ever know? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, back to masks. So masks. Yes. We're talking about um, masking medically. Not a good idea. Well, sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm just giving an opinion. Mm. I, you know, we know they're sanctioned mm. here or mandated rather. Yeah. So I can't say anything about, well, I guess I have, haven't I said about that? Um, well, I follow the law, but we're just talking about medically. There's yeah, some medically. issues with it. Yes. So th th they're my concerns, hmm. uh, very much so, is the um, oxygen levels, carbon dioxide detoxifying and the um, creating a breeding ground for who knows what. And we have seen evidence of pneumonias, funny hmm. pneumonias, hmm. and also infections around the mouth. The whole other level is the symbology. Let's do it. Yes. I'm okay. excited. Okay. So we've got something called the subconscious mind, yeah. which um, apparently is about 95% of our mind. Are okay? you talking about the limbic brain or something else? It is in tied the in with the limbic brain. I, I yes. equate the subconscious mind with the limbic brain. Okay. Very much so. So, more, so it's not just a woo, weird thing. It's literally just part of your brain that yeah. doesn't have higher functioning power, yeah. higher reasoning. It's what we're not aware of. Yeah. It's like um, our heart's beating. We're not aware of our heart beating. Right. So that's related to the limbic area of the brain. Yes. The autonomic nervous system is, is keeping all those things in checks and balances to so it's functioning to keep us alive all the time in the background. Yes. So that's very tied in with our limbic brain. Yes. And um, I tie that in with the subconscious mind. Mm. Okay. Mm. So the subconscious mind's very impressionable, as as is the limbic brain. Mm. There's a part of the limbic brain, and I'm not a neurologist by mm. the way, or mm. a brain expert. This is just what I've gleaned mm. over the over the years. So. People are very welcome to, you know, dispute the, the facts if they have more um, expertise in that area. But from what I have gleaned, um, the limbic brain, there, there's a part called the amygdala, particularly. Oh, yes. And yes. that's like the fire alarm, okay? It's like danger, danger, danger. Right. And then, you know, through that it'll 
feed to the hypothalamus, to the pituitary, the, to the um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, and on it goes. Right. Um, so that's saying alarm, and it takes us very literally. Yes. It might mean, red coat means I'm in danger. It can't reason. Not it reasons at that level. Okay, simple, simple. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like so an animal. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so and we need that. It's yeah. it's actually really useful yeah. to keep us alive if it's in its place, yes. so to speak. But we, you, and when we're in that survival stress state, we we default to the limbic brain yes. at the expense of our prefrontal cortices, which yes. is for abstract thinking. Right and helps us uh, discern and also uh, look at the data and yes. get away from that fear, fear agenda. So the mask is a symbol. And I'm not, that's not woo-woo stuff. We, you know, there's symbology all the time in everything, in letters, in, you know, and that's impressing our subconscious mind continually. And some people are more vulnerable to that. Well, we all are. Yeah. But children particularly, because of the nature of their brainwaves, particularly on the age of seven, um, because their brainwaves are more in that hypnotic state, like the more alpha, theta, wow. delta rather than beta. Wow. They, it's like a hypnotic state. That's how they learn. And, and they absorb things like a sponge. So symbology is much more important for, for children, but for all of us. So the mask is, is a symbol. It just is. We're seeing it all the day. It is impacting our subconscious mind. What's it saying? Well... <laughs> To me, okay, and I can't speak for other people. Uh, we have to be protected. We're not safe. Uh, we oh, can't yeah. trust our own bodies. We have to have a physical barrier. Um, I think it's a symbol of acquiescence and obedience, personally. But wow. I, I, you know, other people mightn't see it that way. And it, it's a kind of a gagging. We can't communicate well yeah. through a mask. I mean, I try consulting through a mask. It's it's, you know, and I'll do that for the comfort of the patient yep. if that's what they want me yep. to do, for sure. But it's actually quite hard <laughs> to speak like I'm speaking through through a, a mask. Now, if, yeah. if they really were helpful and effective, yeah, just suck it up and put up with it. Yeah. That's a problem. Would uh, you mind putting on a mask, please, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, teachers are exempt from it. You know, teachers it, don't have to wear a mask. I didn't know that, yeah. actually. I'm, yeah, I'm quite from, a, the, from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. DHHS said they don't have to wear a mask okay. because they're teaching teaching children. Yes. So it's exactly what you're saying. Mm. Mm. It's also we're meant to see people's faces. We're actually meant to see their yes. their faces yes. because, um, as I mentioned the other day, it's the nuances around the facial muscles that gives us a lot of subliminal information. Mm. Uh, we we pick up people's um, emotions. Uh, we read between the lines by looking at people's faces. Now, if mm. a large part of that is covered, we're not getting that information that mm. we normally do, but would probably completely take for granted because it's our normal state. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so the so the so what what they're learning? What are the children? Because my daughter, she's four. Mm -hmm. She asked me if I could get her a mask. She wants to wear a mask mm -hmm. outside. And it was, it was devastating to me because mm -hmm. she's at no risk from acquiring or transmitting. Yeah. Not only that, she goes nowhere. I do the shopping without her. You yeah. know, she's going to the park. Mm -hmm. But she sees it as, as a cool thing. Yeah. I find that scary. Yes. Yes. And I, I worry about the way she has to look up at mummy mm -hmm. in a mask. What I don't know what she's thinking in her mind, but yeah. I find it interesting that you talk about this hypnotic state, mm -hmm. that her brain thinks differently to ours. Mm -hmm. Could I replicate, just as an aside, could I replicate that by having a hypnotic state, having a hypnotist or whatever? And putting myself in that state, and then I can learn faster. 
Could you elaborate yeah. on that? Well, yeah. well, you said that, yeah. that if you're under six or seven, your brain is more commonly in that hypnotic state, so they learn very quickly. Well, it's, it's not the speed of learning, as far no. as I know. It's more um, like a child's trying to work out where am I yes. and how do I best survive where I am. Right. Okay? Is the world safe? Is the world not safe? This is all subliminal, of yep. course. It's you know, even pre-verbal, maybe particularly pre-verbal. So there's no language. It, it's a subliminal state. So they need to quickly work out their environment right. and how to be safe in it. And obviously if they have nurturing, you know, lovely parents, they're going to feel safe. Yes. If, if they don't, it's a whole different thing. That's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Um, but the master... But because of, because of that... that their brain's more open, let's say, to new impressions. Yes. Uh, and because of the nature of the brain waves, which is more like a hypnotic state mm. than the beta brain waves that are we we are in now as we're talking. That's more our we intellect. Are? Oh, oh, okay. We're we, in intellect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then impressions come in more like a sponge. Like right. they they don't have an intellect to run their impressions by. We right. at least do. It's like okay. You know, we're in Maos, Baba. We can process it somewhat, yes. but little kids can't necessarily process yeah. it. So it's a direct input. And, you know, we, we, the new normal is adopted very quickly because yes. of that. In adults as well, but kids are more susceptible. Which is why she's asking to wear a mask. It's a fashion statement, too, now. Oh. So um, it's also tribal, I, I think, because um, we're, we're very, very communal, societal, tribal creatures. Yes. It's our very nature, and this is why it's the monkey thing, isn't it? this is why the isolation and separation is so devastating for people. We are meant to be with people. Right. That that's our nature. It's like wolves are meant to be in a pack. We're meant to yes. be with people. Yes. Um, and we're, we're tribal. Our biggest fear, one of our biggest fears, is being rejected by the tribe. Absolutely. Because yeah. it meant death and isolation. Yes. Now, we're still run by those primal fears yes. very much. They might come in different guises, but we're still run by them. So I think this plays a big role in the whole mask thing because if everyone's wearing a mask yes. and we're not holding our energy in the right way and we don't wear a mask, yeah. there is a big fear, and I think this is why a lot of people do wear masks when they don't necessarily agree with them, yes. that we will be rejected by the tribe. Oh, definitely, yeah. And particularly when we're getting people are getting accusations that they're literally murderers. You know, you, you're by not wearing that, you're... And I've had that. It's not pleasant. It's really not pleasant. Someone's yelled at you. Yeah, a while ago, and that's maybe because I didn't have the... This was out in the yeah. forest. Okay. In the forest? Yeah, but... It, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Calm down, everyone. <laughs> yes. It's a bit of a hysteria in this. So I think that tribal thing is... Um, I don't want to be rejected by yes. the tribe. Yeah. Like, if, if people think that I'm literally putting them at risk... Yeah by not wearing it. Like, mm. that's good enough reason to wear one. Yeah, I think point. a lot of people who don't necessarily believe in them just don't want that level of rejection from from our tribe. And it's very compelling. And, well, I am, and I'm concerned by what you say, that my mm. children are, don't have that reasoning power. So they are having a, an alarm symbol at them every time they see a mask. We're, we're all we're going to perceive it differently. You know, we all have our different predispositions, of course. Yeah. But let, let's say I think some people could see it as that. Right. Now... Kids might see it as, oh, it's, it's, it, it, it's cool. Like, yeah. We're all going to interpret it quite differently. Right. And, you know, to be honest, if people really feel safe yeah. wearing them and it's completely in harmony with them, it's probably doing them good. Okay. But if because they're saying, they believe it. Yeah. 
Okay. Yes, and we know some people wore masks before this happened. Of course, happened. yeah, yeah. No one cared. You know, they, they were doing their thing. Yep. No one. Great. Go it was it. fine. You're like yep. you're not hurting anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to do it, but it's fine. I don't mm. think anyone was concerned about it. They mm. chose to wear a mask. So that's absolutely fine. Mm. And I think um, some people will probably choose to wear masks forever, mm-hmm. and that's their right. That's their right. Uh, and they might want to stay locked indoors forever, and that's their right. Mm. But, you know, imposing it upon the general population and mm. healthy people is a concern. Now, one of the problems with this discussion is that, you know, there, there will be more epidemics and pandemics, mm. that, you know, and the um, self-appointed um, and apparently prophetic um, health advisor of the world has been dropping little hints for a while that there's another pandemic. I'm not saying to scare people, I'm hoping mm-hmm. it's not. And people who are questioning masks, the, the, the concern is that the mob mentality will say they caused that. Uh. So wearing masks now for this has got nothing to do with how we handle what, whatever. Comes yeah, we, we have flu epidemics pretty yeah. much every year. Yeah. We handle that as best we can at the time. Yes. But do we stay in a state of fear and risk aversion? Yeah. Um, for forever because we don't want to get a virus. Now, I'm not trying to be flippant about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's very distressing if anyone gets an illness. Mm. We know that people have, have died and we wish that that wasn't the case. Mm. So, yes, we should do what we can to protect mm. them. But it's a whole different thing imposing upon the whole population, the world population. What do you think is going to happen then? I mean, masks are mandated right now in Melbourne, which is why we all wear them. When that mandate comes off in three or four years' time, <laughs> when it comes off in a couple of months or whoever knows. Who knows? No one knows. You're right. Um, when it does, what do you think will happen? Because my theory has always been you're going to see mask-wearing rates drop by 50% straight away because I think yeah. most of us do it because we I, have I, to. I think so too. Okay. I do. Because it's playing on our two main survival fears. That's our body survival, getting the virus. And the other is um, money. You know, another survival fear, I'll get fined. Mm. So um, they're our two probably main survival fears have mm. been enacted upon by by this whole thing. Okay. So, look, who, who knows? I, I think the majority will say no. Um, more, no more we'll say, yeah, no, let, let, good, let's get rid of get it rid and of go oh, back wow. to how we're meant to be. I think some people will choose to sure. wear them long term and maybe they have certain vulnerabilities where sure. they feel safer and that's absolutely fine. Have, sure. You know, that's that's up to them. You know, thank goodness we don't live in the US where it's become yeah. a culture because they haven't really had mandates. Okay. So I don't. I consume a lot of American content. Yes. And they, it's ve- that push, that tribal push you mentioned is very strong over there. Yeah. You're an a-hole if you don't wear a mask and anyway. Yeah. So can I ask your opinion, medical yeah. opinion on um, face shields? Because the Premier has said another two weeks from his announcement, another week from now, we can't wear face shields. Well... I think they're useless. A face shield is to stop... Of really... equal uselessness to masks? No, I think they're... they're well, they're, they're less dangerous, but more useless in terms of preventing viral spread. Oh, so masks prevent viral more? They probably prevent it more, but I, I don't think they prevent it more, and that, that's not the answer, and that's, uh, there's something I'll come back to regarding that. But... I, I'm amused by the facial shields because it might be people saying, I don't want to enclose that part of my mouth. Yes. This is okay. It's yes. it's law-abiding. I'll yes. do it. I understand it from that point of view. But yes. um, feeling that it will protect people, I, I just don't get that. I just okay. don't understand. I mean, the virus can just float around the side of it. Oh, okay. So the face shields were really designed 
that there was no splatter. kind of splatter. Oh. Um, and same with the Perspex things in the supermarkets, like this piece of yeah, the Perspex. Yeah, everywhere um, has it. Yeah. The, the thing about this and part of my reservations with the, the whole physical barrier to something that's nanometers, and I'm not saying physical barriers don't have a role, but it's a very, very unilateral um, so solution. Mm. It's not looking at our levels of susceptibility and what we can do about that. Mm. And um, this has been going on for months now, months and months. So why haven't we had messages about, well, um, do what you can for your health, like really good healthy eating, oh, yeah. you know, exercise, meditating, yeah. um, taking appropriate nutrients so to yep. help our immune systems yep. that are quite safe and quite affordable. You mean like vitamin D, vitamin C? And zinc, yes. Zinc, yes. Yeah. Affordable, accessible and, and, and really very safe. And a normal uh, part of our requirements yep. for millennia, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So why aren't we also, we are from individual yes. healthcare yes. providers, of course we are, but um, why is this not more global? Yes. Like, do what you can yes. to to look at your internal terrain, mm. because the the whole uh, viral blocking thing is based on the concept that mm. it's a linear cause and effect. You know, virus meets me, I get the infection. Mm. I, I don't believe that at all. Mm. You know, I think it's much, much, much more complex regarding whether we get an infection or not, mm. relative to being in contact with with a, a virus. So. That whole part of the argument mm. hasn't really been um, collectively addressed, right. as far as I, I can tell. Okay. And, and particularly from my uh, knowledge of mind-body medicine, mm. I'm seeing it in a very different way further to, to that, mm. because our susceptibility is not just contact or not with, with the virus. It's, it's many, many levels. Um, I had the flu quite badly recent in recent years, and I have the deepest respect for these illnesses. They can be very nasty. I was very unwell, which is very atypical for me. And I had pneumonia, and I was in hospital, and I had a cytokine storm. And um, had that been this year, I have no doubt it would have been diagnosed as COVID, but it was influenza A. Now, I know with myself that I had that illness because I had a certain level and type of stress and working too hard. And there was a whole lot of factors mm. that made me susceptible. It wasn't just, I'm in contact with the virus. Mm. It, it's many, many, many levels. Mm. Um, and I knew exactly what it was with me. I knew exactly what the uh, emotional susceptibility was. Mm. Now, this is emotional susceptibility is in common parlance in our medical world, but it makes sense to, to me. And... Uh, I think that the more we're materialists, meaning the more that we are cut off from spirit and we are only operating in a 3D reality, the more we're looking for physical barriers to something rather than looking at it more holistically, let, let's say. You're referring to the masks and the shields as the physical yeah, the barrier we're relying physical on. Physical barriers, physical solutions. Mm. Um, it's true that, yeah, because you are right uh, in terms of your internal terrain and keeping a robust immune system because we're exposed to viruses all the time, oh, yeah. right? Exactly. Constantly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's not like I'm clean no. all the time. No, we I'm wouldn't I'm always want that. fighting. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm winning and most of the time unless I get sick. Well, you know, with most of the microbes, and we, we have um, probably trillions of microbes, mm. bacteria, viruses, whatever, uh, in and on our system all the time and environmentally. Okay? Mm. We co-evolved with them. Mm. It became a symbiotic relationship for most of them. 
uh, our gut microbiome is our best multivitamin. We absolutely need it for the integrity of the gut. Uh, we need it. It's an important part of our immune system. It's also important for the gut-brain connection. Mm. So these things, we actually we wouldn't actually survive without them. So it's not like viruses and germs are bad. There are pathogens. That's a whole different thing. But what might be normal in me might be a passion, pathogen someone else if they have a level of susceptibility. Mm. That doesn't mean that we're all hermetically sealed from each other mm. to prevent viruses. So that's a normal thing. And really, the way I see it, it's not a matter of eliminating a virus. We can't do that anyway. The idea of getting down to zero, I just think is impossible. It's learning to live with them. So... And that's resilience. Mm. That's resilience is um, learning to live with, you know, this whole array of microbes. Mm. And very often if we do get an infection, like a cold or whatever, it actually increases our resilience. It's like exercising the muscle. We need that. You know, little colds and flus are not a disaster, actually a good detox sort of thing. It also forces us to have a bit of time out when we might not have taken it. Otherwise, it did for me this week, yeah. Exactly. So we, we you know, the, it's not the enemy necessarily, though we know there are people who are more vulnerable. Mm. I'm not saying go out and catch a cold. Mm. Not at all. But they're not a disaster that we get cold. So this whole thing is trying to eliminate all viruses and um, pretty much all illness. And I just don't think that's realistic. So we, when we do get an infection, that hones our immune system and notches it up. Uh, you know, that's why kids get little infections mm. in that, because it notches up their immune systems. That's resilience. Are we in trouble then? The fact that we're isolated and when we come I, out... I'm concerned about that, to be honest, and for a whole number of levels, also the mind-body very mm. much. Um, I think so. I think, you know, I, I haven't had a cold all year. That actually concerns me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not actually happy about that. I hadn't, yeah. hadn't had one until this week like you, and mm. I was thinking, oh, no, it's been six to ten yeah. months. This is not good. No. It means I'm sealed off from the world. Yes. And probably weak yeah. when I come out. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But we are by nature resilient too, so, I, you know, okay. I, I think there might be an increased spate of infections and things. Look, at, look who, who knows, because we've never done this before. Yes. As far as I, not in modern history anyway. A global scale. So it's it's quite an experiment to, to see. But we are meant to be mingling with germs and that all the time and protecting mm. people as best we can, of course, and ourselves and keeping isolated if we do have a cold, all of that. Um, but to try and completely eliminate a virus and block us off from mm. that, I just think that's based on total misconception. How about this? How about a premier or a political elite who... Don't come out and tell us to hide and be scared, but, but I'm going to help us become the healthiest, most robust immune system state in the world. We're going to do a big push on health and weight loss. And, you know, I used to wear 145 kilos. Okay. Just just health, 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 health. Yeah. And we're going to be so robust. When viruses come to our state, our immune systems are going to be stronger than any other country. That would be nice. Well, it, it, maybe not even to that extent, but just saying, well, look, you're, you're in lockdown. Let's let's look at this. Let's educate here. Yes, that would be nice because that's working on the train. Mm. It's not that protective. I've got to uh, protect myself from everything out there. Uh, there's an ancient saying which is um, better to wear shoes and cover the world with leather. So we're trying to cover the world with leather. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. You said that. It's an ancient 
somewhere. Better, I don't know. Better to wear shoes. Better to wear shoes and cover the world with, with leather. leather. Brilliant. So, so meaning that as best we can, yes. we work in our internal terrain, ourselves, our yes. point of attraction to these viruses at every level, I might add, rather than we can just wrap the whole world in plastic. We can't. Yes. And and it would be devastating for us yeah. if, if we did. And we know the social consequences of staying in lockdown. I mean, yes. people are, you know, the, the mental health, you know, side effects from that are considerable. You're giving um, me a lot of hope, Catherine. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Okay. I want to plug your book for a second because I read a few pages on Amazon. Um, and what everything you're saying to me right now, I'm feeling very empowered. As in, I can do something about this situation within yeah. the rules. You know, I can yeah. look after my internal terrain. Yes. And the few pages I read for this um, were fantastic. So this, The Wounding of Healthcare, go and get this on Amazon. Thank you. Um, I love the way, and I think people, why you've been so popular, love the way that you are encouraging us to, to have some agency. Exactly. The bottom line, I think. It really mm. is. Can um, I... Sorry. You go ahead. Oh, can, can I ask um, about empathy? Because mm -hmm. this was my theory behind you, which may be wrong, but <laughs> I, I feel like you have a particularly powerful understanding of how people, empathy, how people feel. And we should distinguish what we're talking about mm -hmm. here. So mm -hmm. can you tell me what, I'm going to ask about sympathy versus pity, empathy, compassion, what the difference is. What do, what do you understand empathy to be? Empathy is a uh, being able to tune in to how someone else's feeling. That, that's the way I see it. How is that so, different from compassion? Or, or sympathy, sorry, sympathy, empathy. Um, sympathy and pity, yes. and I think they're similar. Yes. It's, I'm trying to put into words what I, um, what I know. Let's say pity particularly is mm -hmm. actually holding the subject of the pity down. Right. Because it's, it's saying, well, you, you know, it's not solution oriented. Right. It's it's looking at someone in a disempowered state right. as as someone in a disempowered state, and oh, yeah. I'm glad I'm not there and yeah. and I feel for them. Yeah. But there's not much I can do to help them. Right. Okay. That's that's to me that's pity. It's pity. not an empowering sort right. of emotion. Right. Um, to receive it or give it. Yes. Whereas, and I think sympathy is um, probably not quite the same, but it's along those lines. Right. And it's, again, it's not empowering. Whereas compassion is solution orientated. Right. Compassion is designed to, okay, I see this person, animal, whatever, in plant, whatever, yes. in, in a state that's not for their health yep. and well-being or whatever. What is the solution? What's the hope? Right. What, what can we do to get them more into an empowered state? Right. So it's, it's more solution oriented. Than, than pity. So I think compassion's a wonderful quality. And we don't talk about these qualities much no. in society. They don't get the kudos that, you know, other um, sort of qualities do, but they're yes. the glue that, you know, holds humanity together, really, because we are communal creatures. Yes. What we do to ourselves will affect the all and, and vice versa. You well, know, so even yeah. what you're saying is so yeah. full of empathy. So empathy being you can f feel and resonate. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I have a feeling sense. Now, we have to be able to have that for ourselves yes. first. Right. Um, to have it for others, I, I believe. Yes. But it's like it's seeing someone, it's feeling them, it's understanding them. Which you seem, well, you seem, I mean, we've been talking for an hour. Oh, have and, we? Okay. Yeah, which is great. Just like five minutes. 
That's great, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. and everything you've been telling me smells of empathy. It's like you you're always talking about the view of the other person, how they feel. Is that unique to the, is that a medical profession thing? Are most doctors empathetic? Because I'm surprised to meet. I, I think a lot of doctors are very empathetic and very very intuitive. The system's a whole other yeah. thing. <laughs> Seriously, not so much. Yeah. But but the individual, sure, and that 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 varies between individuals. But um, yeah. doctors get to know people. They do, right. you know, and they they do use their gestalt, their knowledge, but also their gestalt. What is get... gestalt? My vocab is taking a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> gestalt is more. Um, I guess it's more of a right brain rather than left brain quality. Right. Creative. It, it's right. more. Um, it's more aligned with intuition. Oh right. It's looking at the whole picture, perceiving okay. the whole picture rather than the individual parts. Yes. So it's it's annoying. It's like I don't have to pull that fact out of my brain right. to know that. And you seen that's, that's common the gestalt. with doctors. Yes, I yeah. think so. It, it and particularly well, probably getting less so because of the way we're, yeah. we're trained over the last hundred years or so. Hmm. Uh, I think doctors would have worked very much on their intuition before we had such a plethora of technology. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, but I believe a lot of doctors are intuitive. Whether they use that or not, it's a hmm. whole different thing. Um, yeah, so... But this is, this is a conundrum for me because I do like the fact that medicine has become more, you just saying, you know, intuition and then with more technology now. I like that because we've been able to... Yep drill down and get you know the enlightenment theory of, of what is real and testable yes. and we've been able to silo and and specialize and do some very tricky complex things sure. with modern medicine totally now Absolutely. the downside of course is what you've yep. been saying with the siloing and the and the division the fragmentation yep. of medicine is not good either yeah so so western medicine's brilliant for many things we know that for for, for trauma uh, acute illnesses we we know it, it's beyond part but that left brain reductionist siloed approach needs to be matched by the right brain, more empathetic, more gestalt, more intuitive approach, because it's been very much out of balance. And we're seeing this very much so with some of the draconian rules and sanctions mm. that are in place, like the border crossings. Mm. You know, we, we've all heard stories of. Um, you know, dying fathers who can yeah. only see one child and um, mothers separate from babies. And to yeah. me, that's left brain without any heart, mm. without any heart, mm. without any soul. And the, there's a quote by um, Thomas E. Woods, who I think is an American author, who mm. said, this lifestyle, many lockdowns, it might have a pulse, but it doesn't have a soul. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it doesn't have a heart, and it doesn't. Wow. We have hearts individually, but the sanctions do not have a heart. That is my major concern. Mm. But that reflects a lot of what medicine has become. Yes, mm. individuals have hearts and that. So that brilliant left brain approach, mm. brilliant, needs to be matched by that other approach. And now's mm. the time to do it. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the eagle and the condor prophecy. Please tell. <laughs> okay. Please tell. I heard about this when I was in South America. Mm. So it's an ancient prophecy that was meant to have started in the Amazon, um, I think thousands of years ago. Mm. And it was predicted that there would be 500-year periods called Patachukis. I probably haven't pronounced it right, Patachukis. And it was predicted that in the 1490s, the well, firstly, the eagle and condor. The eagle represents the north, the industrial, the mind, the left brain. Mm. The con uh, and, and the masculine. Now, that's not gender. Mm. That's just a, an archetype. The condor represents uh, the archetype of the, the feminine, the intuition, the, the, the wisdom, the mystery. Mm. Okay? Mm. 
So it was predicted that society would go into two different mm. streams, mm. that of the eagle, mm. which is the west, mm. and that of the condor. And that there would be a time when the eagle people would almost completely annihilate the condor people. Which we've we, seen. Which we've seen. We've seen it with the conquistadors in South America in yes. the 1490s. Yes. And beyond and in our own country, yes. very much so. Yes. And we need to be reminded of that because a lot of what we're going through, those people experience. So You're talking about um, in, Indigenous Aboriginal absolutely. culture in Australia. Absolutely. And with uh, yep. British people coming here. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Yep. So almost annihilated out of existence, but mm. not quite. Mm. And it was predicted that the 19, 1990 would begin the fifth Patachuki, where there's, it's the potential time for the eagle and the condor to fly together wing to wing and mm. contribute the best of mm. each. And it's a potential time. And I'm seeing this whole thing unfold as that. Mm. And um, it makes a lot of sense for me. And that's the meaning I'm putting on my experience of that. Is, yeah, the industrial, the north, the technical, fantastic. That's part of our evolution. Mm. But it's got to be matched by heart mm. and, 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 and soul. If it's not, it's a runaway train. And it's extremely dangerous. And, and sadly, we're seeing that with these sanctions, but not the other side. So mm. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping there'll be a merging of the two. And a lot of these cultures that have the most beautiful healing traditions are more recognised, as well as the wonderful technology mm. of Western medicine. So each contributing the best of each other mm. in an atmosphere of mutual respect without diluting the individual, you know, mm. characteristics. So... Whether we'll achieve it, I, I, I don't know. I live in, in hope and, you know, and I have a foot in both worlds. I've been trained in these other paradigms in Western medicine. Mm. So that gives me um, a fairly unique, not completely unique. A lot of people have been trained in both different paradigms, but it helps me see, gives me a different perspective. This, uh, yeah. this idea of bringing empathy back and, and the condor and, and the meeting, People think of empathy as a fluffy topic, as I said in the intro, and I'm wondering if, in fact, it could be a great strength for our society, and it's not yeah. a weak, mainly because it has that feminine archetype. I think a lot yeah. of our leaders are men, yes. and we tend to think things have to be enlightenment philosophy, and you know. Yeah, and, and I do want to emphasise it is an archetype. We, we, you know, men and women have yeah, uh, masculine, feminine characteristics, so it's an archetype. Um, well, I think we've just been worshipping that God, mm. the left brain, mm. for a long time. And, you know, prior to early last century, uh, doctors used to practice very holistically mm. and um, medical colleges taught holistic medicine. And then a, apparently, the story goes, a famous oil magnate came in and uh, introduced the uh, problem-reaction-solution paradigm. Mm. Which all modern medicine is based on. As far as I can see. Yeah. Uh, which is you've got a problem or you're going to get a, a problem. Yeah. Uh, reaction, usually fear. Solution, take this external to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look at what's going on here. We will give you this mm. to make it go away. And we've mm. seen that with, um, maybe I shouldn't mention the word, but mm. this is classic what we're going through. Mm. You know, maybe it is, maybe I've got a suspicious mind, but we might stay locked up until we are offered something that will release us. I see what you mean. An externalised solution, yeah. So that's, yeah. So what, okay, This with because this whole series of empathies yes. is my favourite one. I'm so fascinated by who you are and, and, and kind of the message you're, you're bringing across. Mm -hmm. Do you think it could be applied 
in some of the harder hitting areas of society, like business leaders and uh, mayors and politicians and um, um, finance and you know these things that you would not traditionally associate with empathy. Empathy, you think teachers and nurses. Mm-hmm. Do you think these concepts can be deployed in those harder, more masculine type? places in society yeah and i'm sure it is in many areas you probably know better than me there are examples of that Mm. um most definitely sympathy is um sympathy can keep us kind of too much entrained in in those feminine energies it's so it's not sympathy but empathy and particularly compassion right particularly compassion is a whole different quality because it's it's bringing heart into the equation. In doing something. Well, compassion stirs you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what's the end point for for all of this? Like, what's the end point for the... Uh, you know, the lockdowns, the... What, what's the... I'm not sure anymore. No, it's a good question, though, because yeah. we're not given that. And, and um, what is the end point? The end point is we all want to feel better. Mm. You know, we, we want to survive, but we want to feel better surviving, not just survive for survival's sake, and that's mm. been the whole emphasis. We just survive. But no, we, we want to actually live a rich life. Mm. So... Mm. Again, I don't know if I answered your question. No, that's brilliant. So compassion. How do how do we how do we do this, Catherine? How how do we? Uh, we've talked a bit about the government and how they could shift and medicine. And I love the idea of let's talk to the people who are watching. Yeah. What can they do every day to raise the levels? I mean, we talk about taking control of their internal terrain and so on. But what can they do to raise the levels of compassion and empathy? And what can they practically do day okay. to day? Because there's so many layers. To, to this. We have time. <laughs> okay. Um, I believe we have to start with ourselves. Mm. That we actually have to start with compassion with ourselves. And we've got plenty of opportunity to do that right now mm. because we're all going through a lot of difficult emotions. And part of process in working through them is actually to sit in the, the centre of them. Now, that might be difficult for more people than others, and particularly if they do have mental health problems and a lot of people would need assistance with that because it can make them vulnerable. But um, that, that is what a dark night of the soul is, is being with those really difficult experiences and um, emotions How to, to move through them. And that's the whole thing about integration. It's not removing them with a medication. It's actually no. sitting in them to integrate them. So I'll give an example, yeah. and maybe this is not the best example. I believe that a large part of the reaction is that collectively we're facing our fear of death, okay? Yes. Now, no one wants to talk about that and I'll, you know... Fear of... I, well, that's yeah, literally think, what it is. Coronavirus will kill us. Yeah, yes. yes. But is that what you mean? Yes, yes, exactly. But I think it's put it in people's faces. That right. they've... Oh, it's always been there, fear. It's been there subliminally, or always. Yes, yes of yes, course, it's yeah. a primal fear. Yeah. But people have become aware of it. Right, right. Because of these fear messages all the time. Right. And this is why, okay, I'll do everything to control the environment. Yes. You know, cover the world with leather so I get yes. away from that. The, the, the solution is actually not that. The solution is actually sitting with that fear and integrating it. Because when we do, uh, we, we much better embrace life and probably live longer, to be quite honest. So it's not a matter of appeasing that fear of death. And this is a very unpopular subject. It's very delicate, so maybe I shouldn't have raised it. But I, think I want to know for me. Don't I think worry this about is them. central. It's like... When we sit in the heart of it, then that is a process of integration, not being overwhelmed and overtaken by it, but we sit in the heart of it. It loses its potency because if it's subliminal in the subconscious mind, it's much more powerful 
It has much stronger effectiveness than if we're aware of it. It's like, oh, okay, that's why I'm feeling like this. And just sit with it. It, it, it dissipates the energy of that fear. So how do I do that? Would that be so? If I have a fear of getting cancer or a fear of dying or whatever, yeah, and we're, they're normal crash. fears that we all have. And I'm not yeah. saying people be foolhardy and don't appropriately look after themselves. Yeah. So I don't want to sure, no, sure. put that message out. But I could sit in that. I could actually face up to those fears within myself. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah, there's a number of processes, and mm. there's a number of books and different things that actually take people step by step. And I don't think I'll mention no, sure. any, but there there are processes to to. Um, to do it because if if something's subconscious it has much more hold on us yes. it much more controls us and affects our body so yes. if we process emotions they're much less likely to actually affect our physicality right. now that's not going to make sense to most people i know, I know that statementism it makes sense to me because i've right. looked at this for a long time but you're yeah. resonating with me because there are yeah. fears in all fears of in my mind of course that i squash down say all, I, say all of us, all a, of us. Yeah. yeah and i don't look at it mm. but every time i see it and i hear it fear of being yeah. run over by a bus or whatever yeah. it is it has a lot of power because it's the boogeyman that i don't look at it's the, and the virus is the boogeyman right yeah mm. so the idea being that if i can process through that yes. <clears throat> then I can look at it in the face and it's not going to scare me anymore. Yes. It doesn't mean you don't respect it. Mm. Of course we respect our survival fears. Mm. Absolutely. But it has less control on us for, from a subconscious level. Okay. So it's really it's a time to go inwards. Okay. It's going inwards and outwards at the same time. And there's many tools and methods. Um, well, what's next then after inwards? So I've done that, right, say... What else? That's the first step you said, mm -hmm. to look at the internal. Yep. Let's keep going. What else can we do, everyday people, to um, raise our levels of compassion, empathy, and grow stronger through this? So look at myself, process yep. that. Well, I, I think another thing is that because we are locked away, a mm. lot of us are realising the value of community, mm. of reaching out, of um, you know ringing people up. And we know there are people, vulnerable people out there in terms of mental health mm. challenges right mm. now. So I, I, I think in a way, even though it's maybe not designed to do it, it has opened our hearts to mm. other people going through difficult experiences. Mm. So I think reaching out to, to people and stating the obvious. It's important. It is important. Reaching out to people. What about, you're talking about loved ones and friends. Mm -hmm. We're talking about strangers, like my neighbours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about, as I said, we're communal beings, but we've yeah. lost that largely. A lot of us don't know our neighbours. Yes. Uh, and I know we're limited by who we can. Hmm. However, it's, it's an opportunity. The neighbour next door just said, Do what you can. how are you doing? <laughs> how, how are you going? You know, getting back to that kind of good basic community sort of hmm. thing on which, our, on, you know, which our society should be based. We know the police commissioner came out earlier this week saying if you see too many cars hmm. outside your neighbour's house, you need to call the police crime stoppers. Yeah. Now, that is ridiculous because when I'm in trouble yeah. and when someone strange is wandering around my street or when I've left my bins, you know, something, I don't know, my kid has run out onto the street, yeah. which happened the other day, my one-year-old, yeah. yes. who has my back? It's not the police. They're not here. It's no. my neighbours. No. We can't afford to let that break down and start no. dobbing in them. It, it's and... extremely alarming. Yes. Extremely alarming because what it's doing is getting people fighting against each other. Terrible. You know, um, divide and conquer, quite, quite frankly. That's what it's doing and particularly with this new bill they're proposing. It's um, divide and conquer. Well, 
The omnibus bill, yeah. Yes, yeah. they'll fight against each other and police each other. We can, and they they can take the blame too. We'll just sit back and let it happen. It's 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 diabolical, well, in it my opinion. It worked from 1950 to 1990 in Germany with the Stasi. Yes. Anyway, yes. Uh, I think let's give a solution. If I saw parties going on across the road, I think my first step should be to go over and say, "Hey, come on, guys." Can you like I'm a bit uncomfortable. You got 16 cars and 30 people inside. Are you serious, man? Yeah. And before I call the police, yeah. so maybe people oh, should have a chat with their neighbours first. Absolutely, and and it can be quite confronting um, going to neighbours and just saying, look, you know, hmm. this really loud noise at four o'clock in the morning is not 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 on. But yeah. but the I, stakes are too high. We can't just call the police like we used to. No. We have to keep this. Yes. Yes. So reaching out to our community. Reaching That's out as, as best we can, just, mm. you know, giving a friend a call and mm. now and again. Again, I, I'm stating the obvious, but mm. sometimes we forget the obvious. And what are your predictions now? Where are we going? How long? I know this is just, we're just guessing, but I always ask my guests, what do you think is going to happen? How do you see us um, going over the next few months? Um, I honestly don't know. Big unknown. I honestly don't know. And there's probably things I, I won't say. Um, if this is a, a wake-up call, hmm. and I think any crisis is, um, is the solution going back to normal life tomorrow? I don't know. Now I need to qualify that, um, or is it an opportunity for people to say, you know, more people saying, "This is not on. This is not how we want to, how we want to live." And and I'm, I'm hoping that's that's happening. That is this what we want for us and our communities? People have to ask the big questions. I think we can stop waiting for them out there to fix it all. I think that's my opinion. I'm not saying there aren't great leaders and mm. institutions. There are, of course. We know that. But if we are relying on they'll fix it, it'll all be fine and go back to normal, I, I think it's going to come back to the community a and to us individually. Mm. And, you know, the, the answer is, personally, um, and I've been really tested, <laughs> what I need to do is follow my conscience, what, what is the right thing in the moment. Uh, you could probably relate to that. Mm. And, you know, a million voices can be saying one thing at the end of the day. What actually resonates is the right thing to do here. Yeah. Catherine, thank you so much for coming and sharing these thoughts. This has been a real uh, cathartic journey for me as well to discuss these things. And I think the, over, the way we've ended is very powerful. I think if you're uh, looking around and seeing that what we're going through is not so great, like Catherine says, this is our opportunity to create the world that we want to live in and it starts with us individually and I'm actually very excited to see us um, becoming more aware and, and being a bit more deliberate yeah. and, and choosing the type of state and city we yeah. world really what are we, we going want. to create what are we going to create what are we going to create huge potential ah, what a pleasure Catherine thank <laughs> you for coming thank in thank you so much for the opportunity I've really enjoyed it mate. Right, thanks, thank Catherine. you
Wow, what a pleasure it was to sit down with Dr. Catherine Fiennes today and go through such a broad range of topics. I would encourage you to check out her book on Amazon. It's quite good. Uh, the link is in the description below. If you like listening to this in audio form, it's available on my website, discernible.io, or really that just links you over to Spotify and iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and all that kind of good stuff. And look, hey, I think our series are going well. Uh, this is my favorite one, Empathy Series, and we are making some really great progress at least i am within myself i'm certainly becoming a better person having these conversations and so i hope that not only are you enjoying these podcasts but you are also seeing improvements in your life and as always thank you for joining me and spending such a long part of your day listening to some incredible people with me